Let's take our Bibles and open them to John chapter 9. You find your place there. Another word about the uh, information you receive. The back card of this that is a place where you can make uh, commitments to the going challenge. Many of you have already responded. Maybe some of you, Lord's leading you to now uh, step in and be a part of this and make a commitment in some way. And you could do that today, detach that back card and put it in one of the connect boxes that are on the walls at the exits when you leave today. You could take it with you and pray over that and drop it by the church this week or put it in the mail and send it back in. It's an opportunity for us to keep going and making a difference with our our community and our world. I'm excited about where we are. And uh, I think uh, we're just are so close and just challenge you with Stan for us just to get on across this, uh, this initial goal that we have of giving toward a million dollars and, and uh, see what God wants to do with us and what he wants to do next. I, I can't think of a uh, a more excited passage to be in in John chapter 9 when we're talking about going. In John chapter 9, it, we, we have this incredible story of a man who was blind from birth and he receives his sight. And Jesus takes that story of physical healing and applies it to a spiritual lives. And when we sing a song like we did just a moment ago, I once was blind, but now I see. It is taken from this very story of someone who uh, has been blind physically, now he's able to see uh, physically, but at the end of the story, he goes from being blind spiritually, he's able to see spiritually. And that's really the ultimate goal of what Christ is wanting for us in our life, to see our need of a Savior, to see Him as the Savior, and then just to, to see Him as the one who came for you personally. And when you see that, that you would believe Him. And I, I think in, around this room, we could uh, just hear story after story where your, your life was formerly something else, but because of Jesus Christ, now in many ways you say, I, I can see now. Jesus has become the light of the world for me. I want you to look here in John chapter 9. This passage of scripture it talks uh, beginning in verse 1. Speaking about this one who is blind, Jesus is passing through this area of Jerusalem. He says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. That was a, a way of Jesus sort of drawing a line, saying it's time for people's lives to be saved now. He's saying, I've broken in in the fullness of time here. I've come as the Messiah and the Savior. It's time for me to do my work. It's time for, the, for God to work. It's time for you to believe. And he's, there's gonna be a night. There's gonna be an end. There's gonna be closure to this. In verse five, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, listen to this. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, 
go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. And one of the fun things of chapter 9 is to try to imagine or figure out or diagnose why Jesus used his saliva and dirt to heal this guy. By the time we get to John chapter 9, we've already seen Jesus standing in one city knowing that a guy's about to die in another city. And he just speaks out loud. And, and that little boy goes from almost dead to living. So distance was not a, a barrier to the power of Jesus. We, we, we see him touch someone that is, is dead and they rise back to life when you read through the gospels. But here, for some reason, he takes his own spit, puts it on the ground, he makes a mud cake, rubs it on this guy's eyes that wasn't enough, tells him to go a distance and wash it off. Now, just, I would... Sometimes we could talk about over uh, coffee or a meal or something and say, what do you think that was? What do you think was going on? I don't even want to offer that today because you go away thinking that, you know, maybe it's this or maybe it's that. The reality is we don't know. No, no smart commentator out there knows. There's nothing else in this story that tells us why Jesus worked in this way. But we do see this blind man hearing Jesus speak and just moving when he said when he said something and it comes out look at it verse 8 the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying is this not the man who used to sit and beg some said it is he others said no but he's like him he kept saying i'm the man they 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 were trying to put it together the miracle was so amazing to them that that they were we must have him confused with somebody he looks a lot like the guy that was blind, but it can't be him because he can see now. And, and, the, and the blind man is out here just, he, he, you just see him, I'm the man, I, I'm him. I, let yourself go into that environment. You're like, it's like, come up close. Look, that's red, that's orange, that's blue. Remember, I was the one sitting and he's, I'm the man. So they said to them, said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus, that's all he knew. The man called Jesus, made mud, and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. That's beautiful. You're talking about a testimony. You're talking about a story here where here's a guy where God speaks, Jesus speaks, he gives him a command, and the guy says, here's what I did. I went, I washed, I received my sight. Anything Jesus has told you to do that you're still kind of hanging back on? And take a lesson from this blind man healed. He, I went, I washed, I received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. What a great statement. Just a few statements in here I've underlined. That's one of them. I love looking at the page and seeing that testimony. The man who had formerly been blind. Amazing. This is who we're dealing with. It says, now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud. Uh-oh. That's a big deal. Uh, to make mud on the Sabbath broke the law. 
That was classified in the list of works. You're, you're, you're working. You've made mud. Maybe that was part of it. Maybe Jesus was trying to get the Pharisees' attention by making mud on that day. Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. This interview's going on. The crowd had interviewed him, and now the Pharisees are interviewing him. So the Pharisees again asked him how he received his sight, and he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. They're speaking of, of Jesus. This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And you see the progression happening in this guy's life. He says, this man called Jesus, and now he says, he must be a prophet. He's a prophet. Verse 18, the Jews did not believe that he had been blind. And he received his sight until they called the parents of the man. This interview, this interrogation keeps on going. They've talked to him. The Pharisees have talked to him. Now they go get his parents and bring them in. Says he, they did not believe he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, verse 19, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. You know why he said that? They were scared. They knew the Pharisees. They knew the rules of the synagogue. They knew if they got brought into this and it demonstrated in some way that they were going after Jesus, they were, gonna, they were in danger of being put out. They were in danger of being put out of the synagogue. Verse, we know that, verse 22, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man, bring him back again. Second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. They're speaking of Jesus. He answered. Well, here's what happened. The, the blind man starts preaching. He goes from this man called Jesus to he's a prophet, to talking to his parents. Now the Pharisees bring him back in. And they're like, he's a sinner. Jesus is a sinner. He, he can't be who he claims to be. And so this blind man just takes the story and just preaches. He says, remember, blind from birth, now can see, here's what he says. Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? I think he paused right there. And he just kind of just let it hang out there. He's kind of letting it hang out there of like, what do you believe? Don't make this all about me. What, what do you believe? Are you going to follow him? I was blind. I can see. He's different than anyone else that's ever been on the scene. 
Do you want to become his disciples? And they reviled him. They reviled him saying, you you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. Listen to him. Somehow God uses this blind man that can see now to just put his finger right in on where, where their faith was, where their belief was. And, and, and he says, you, you don't know where he comes from, yet he opened eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the word began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They had had enough. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Guess who shows up? Jesus. In verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. Do you wonder how that got to him? Jesus, maybe with some disciples. Jesus, what are they talking about? The man born blind. There he, there he comes. Where's he going? They cast him out of the synagogue. Really? Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Anybody in the room this morning feeling cast out? Feeling like the world's given up on you? Feeling like there's no hope? There's no future? Been treated wrong by other people? You may be even here this morning at this church dealing with the scars of pain that came from another place of worship. Look how Jesus responds. Jesus found him. Maybe today Jesus has found you. Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered. Can I just say, I think this was a tired answer. Think about it. The crowd had interviewed him. He was so excited. He's excited. I can see. I was blind. I can see. I can see. Tell us about it. Then the Pharisees come and interview him. Then his parents are brought in. And then the Pharisees bring him back again. And now Jesus shows up again. And Jesus said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And it just, it just feels like to me right here, he's like, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. This morning, I want to show you three things that I believe Jesus wants us to see, learn from John chapter 9. The first one is this. I believe Jesus would have us see people's condition 
not as a theological discussion, but as a compassionate opportunity. I think Jesus would have us see people's condition, not as a theological discussion, but as a compassionate opportunity. Jesus is walking and he sees this man born blind. People had walked by him and to the point to where he had just become almost like furniture in the room. He, he was just there and people passing by and they noticed Jesus looking at him. Jesus saw the man and he's blind from birth and his disciples ask a question. And here's the question they ask about the man blind begging there. Rabbi, you see him? Jesus is looking at the man born blind. He's looking at them. They look at Jesus. They look back at the blind man. They look at Jesus. They look back at the blind man. They look at Jesus and they say, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? You see the theological discussion? It's like, okay, here's a man who's born blind. He's laying there begging. Let's talk about this. Whose fault is this? Why is he in this condition? What led to him being out here having to beg? What led to him being blind? Somebody must have sinned. Let's, let's debate that. Let's talk about that. And how does Jesus respond? He says, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And then he goes on and, and he takes the spit, he takes the dirt, he makes mud, puts it on their eyes, he, he heals the man. And Jesus shows compassion. It's, it, it's, there's something in us that always first wants to explain the trouble people are in instead of helping people in their trouble. And we look at situations and there's this pharisaical heart, this, that cell that just kind of wrestles in there still where we look at people in need, we look at people in certain situations and we begin, and at first I was like, man, how'd they get there? What did they do? Wonder why they suffer so much. Wonder why it keeps coming to their house. I wonder why it keeps coming to their City. I wonder why it keeps coming to their nation. You may feel it as you look around at the current events of our day and you read the headlines of events that are going on in the, and you, you can feel the Pharisee come up in your heart to where you're trying to figure out all the theological reasons of why people would be in the shape that they're in and dealing with the things that they're dealing with. Imagine Jesus feeding the 5,000, standing up in front of the crowd, and him proclaiming from a mountaintop, I want you to know you are 5,000 people that are poor planners. If you had thought ahead, you would have brought food with you, and now you've put us in a situation where we don't have the food to feed you, we're going to have to send you home. Be smarter next time. You look at the disciples and say, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? How are we going to feed them? Here's loaves, here's two fish, and here's some loaves of bread. Jesus had to have them sit down, and he meets their need. It's easy for us to look across our world and find a person or a people group and say, hmm. Who has God placed in your life, your path, your circle that needs a lot more compassion and a lot less condemnation?
The blind man was an opportunity for Jesus to be the light of the world. In a world of darkness, he had proclaimed, I am the light of the world. And coming right on the heels of saying, I am the light of the world, he takes an individual and he lets him see the light for the first time. It is a powerful illustration of Jesus saying, let me just show you that I am who I claim to be. And you look around in our world, in our life, look for those individuals, look for those situations that don't call for a theological discussion or debate, but give you an opportunity to show, hey, Jesus can be the light of the world in this situation. That's the second thing I believe Jesus wants us to see here. I believe Jesus wants us to see people's story as an opportunity for God's glory. When you look at helping people in South Georgia right now or in the panhandle of Florida, we don't have to sit around and debate what people could have done or should have done or might would have done. We look at situations and we say, I wonder how God's gonna bring glory out of this. When you look at a life in your home that's struggling right now, or you look at a coworker that's struggling right now, or you look at just stories around you, we look and try to explain. What if we stopped explaining and just started ministering to people? For a reason. For a reason. So that God would get the glory from their story so that you could be the light of the world in that situation. Jesus says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. They hardly knew who he was. You think about the people in your life that have just become furniture in the room. You've, you just keep driving by their house. You just keep driving by their conversation. You just keep walking by them in your classroom or on your team or in your dorm. See people's story as an opportunity for God's glory. I love that phrase where he says, the man who had formerly been blind. Who were you formerly? Maybe not blind, but maybe you're a liar. Maybe, maybe you were a thief. Maybe, maybe you were a gossip. Maybe you were atheist. Who are you formerly? Think about where Jesus has brought you. Think about how the grace of God has worked in your life. Put to death that pharisaical spirit and realize that by grace we are what we are. And when we look into the lives of others, we can see maybe it's time where God wants to write a new story and do away with some things in their life and make them a former part of their life. He gives this guy a testimony, who he was formerly blind, how he changed, that he just by faith, he just did what Jesus said. Third thing I believe Jesus wants us to see, I believe he wants us to see that people's physical Healing doesn't satisfy their spiritual need. See that people's physical healing doesn't satisfy their spiritual need. This guy, a miracle, he was blind, now he could see. Great story, great miracle, but it wasn't enough to get him into heaven. It wasn't enough to make him 
make his sins forgiven. This blind man would die one day. He's not living. In fact, after this story, we don't know what happened to him. The last testimony, the last words we have of him is that he worshiped him. Looking at Jesus says that he worshiped him. That's pretty good words to be your last words. In our life, meeting the needs of people, showing compassion for people is honoring to God. And it's like Christ. But having prayers answered and needs met and physical healing come to our body or our life does not satisfy the spiritual needs that we have. And Jesus demonstrates this here. When he found him, he, he, he didn't ask him, can you see? Or, uh, he says, do you believe? And whatever the circumstances are that God has brought you into this room today, maybe here for years, maybe here for the very first Sunday, the circumstances that God's working is, is the question is not how many prayers has God answered for you? The question is, is do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that He is the Savior of the world? Do you believe that He came to die for your sins? Do you believe, as we look back on the cross, do you believe that He was buried and He rose again? Do you believe that He will save you? Jesus said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe? He says, you see him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Today, do you believe? In 1880, the same year that our church was formed, Helen Keller was born in Tuscumbia, Alabama, my wife, Carla, born in Tuscumbia, Alabama. If you've never seen the, you should take a journey to Tuscumbia one summer and see the miracle worker. Helen Keller, at 19 months, lost the ability to see and to hear. They don't know exactly what caused it. Maybe a fever of some kind. But at age seven, a lady by the name of Ann Sullivan came to live with her. And at age seven, deaf, and blind, unable to speak, Helen Keller said for the first time with water running on her hand, deaf and blind, water. And a miracle took place. By the end of that day, she had learned 30 new words that she could say. Helen Keller wrote, she said, gradually I got used to the silence and darkness that surrounded me and forgot that it had ever been different until she came, my teacher who set my spirit free. Today, the miracle worker has come. And you may have gotten used to the darkness. You may have gotten used to being bound in sin. And I'm offering to you today the opportunity to believe in the light of the world, to believe in Jesus Christ, and to walk away from this room doing the one thing that this blind man who could see now did. He worshiped him. He worshiped him. And if you already know him, that's a great place to start, is just go from here every day, every hour, worshiping him. Let's pray together.